it's a little strange uh, preaching to an empty auditorium, but I know that we've got a full audience out there. And I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Lord, we just, we just come to you tonight. We thank you for pouring out your spirit on this place. I could feel it as we were singing that tonight, that you are our portion. And I have prayed that very frequently, Father God. You are my portion. I thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Tonight I'm talking about our thinking and revival. And uh, I like what Bill said when he got up that the Lord had just give, dropped that thought into him about uh, what he, how he could change. And that's really what I want to do. Uh, Kathy and I were, were talking a couple weeks ago, and she had shared with me that the Lord, because um, you know, this is a time when we're all going through some uh, concerns. Christians don't have worries. We have concerns. <laughs> But we're going through some times that really can make us wake up in the middle of the night and start going, what's going on, Lord? What do you, what do you want me to do next? And, what's, and so the revelation that she had and she shared with me is that we have the ability to just switch our thoughts. And a lot of times we don't do that. If we're, just, if we're in despair, if we're, especially if it's something that has us very sad or something that has us depressed, boy, we'll just revel in that for a while and we'll not just let it say... Switch, And the way we do that is we go to the Word. And we go to like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's the one I like. I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm worried. Something I'm thinking about kids and thinking about bills. and things. I said, enough of this. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and everything that's in me. And, of course, Psalm 91, we all know that one. But you know the good thing about Psalm 91, I found out as I was studying it, the name of God is mentioned four times in the first verse. Four times. And it's a different connotation each time. Look it up sometime. I was sharing that with Pastor. It's amazing what we're praying when we pray Psalm 91. We're praying, we're praying a different covering from God. So as I was studying and thinking about it, I said, well, the best place to go is my, one of my favorite uh, verses from Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. We've read this a couple hundred times apiece. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And we know that. I mean, we know that. We accept that. But here's the part I love. For as the rain comes down in the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So I started thinking about that. You think what the water comes down, just to, to, to divert to the, what's going on with the water, it goes into the soil. There's a seed there. It produces a plant. That plant grows up to maturity, produces a flower, then produces fruit. And the fruit produces seeds. And when that falls to the ground, it's ready to start all over again and produce. But there's many, many more seeds, many, many more plants. What happened to the water? It just stays there? No, we know from science it evaporates and it returns to the heavens. Does that make sense to you now? So listen to this. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. 
It shall not return to me void. It shall come down. It shall water the seed that's been planted in me. It shall grow a plant. It shall come to fruition with a beautiful flower, I might add. And, and, and fruit that has seed in it, and it shall not return to me void. That means every word that we read and we understand and study in the Word of God, it becomes something that's going to grow in us. And it's something that's going to produce a fruit. And it's going to be something that produces a seed. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall, here's a word we've heard recently, and it shall prosper in the thing on which I sent it. It will prosper in the thing in which I sent it. Whatever he sent the word for, he sent it intending for it to prosper. Now, for the plants, it's prospering, it's, it's producing itself. Whatever he, we have to, to hear from God, pay attention to what it's, gonna, what it's meant for. What did he send the word for? What did he send that word to me to understand what it meant? You know, it's funny... When you think about what our thoughts are, we have, we have this face that we, we show everybody. And then Kathy sees a little different face for me. But there's only, only one thought process that me and God see, the third one, that nobody else sees, right? So in Hebrews four twelve through 13... For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We know that. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Listen to this. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the word we're talking about that's been poured out, that's going to prosper me, the Holy Spirit is a discerner of my thoughts, my private thoughts that nobody knows but God, and the intents of my heart. So when we're praying and we're getting that, understand when God has poured out his thoughts on us, he already knew. He already knew what that was going to do in me. And already knew how it was going to come to fruition. And so when we pray and we pray in earnest, there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give account. So in 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 16. I love this. this really, it really folds in with what, what is God doing? For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man? That's what I was just talking about a minute ago. Nobody knows my private thoughts but God. Even our, even our wife doesn't know what we're thinking until we tell her. I don't know what she's thinking until she tells me. And even then, she shares a little bit of it with God but not me. And we all do that. We all do that. We all have that little hidden, uh, hidden closet in our thought process. And it's thoughts. And that's why I want to talk about the thoughts so much. So no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God, right? Now, we've received not the Spirit of the world, right? And who's the, who's the prince of this world? Who's he talking about all the time? The, the one that came to kill, steal, and destroy? Have we seen that lately? The death, the, the, the looting, the destruction. Boy, is that, if we're Christians, that should be just a, a big red flag. This is the enemy. This is the enemy. 
That thought should be pervasive. It should be, we should be standing back and going, this isn't a movement. This isn't a political movement. This is the enemy. This is the enemy coming across our nation like a big firestorm. And Christians around this country are recognizing that. And we're seeing it. And we're seeing people stand up and go, wait a minute. I recognize that. I know what that means. They don't know exactly what it means. But pretty soon God's going to pour out the thoughts that they're going to discern and go, wait a minute, that's the enemy. That's to kill, steal, and destroy. And the more it happens, the more it's going to, the Christians are going to take to the streets and say, wait a minute, no, no, no. We're going to take our streets back. We're going to take our churches back. We're going to take our cities back. Verse 13. <clears throat> These things we also speak, not in words. Let me back up. In 12, it says, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We need to know that before we get into it. So these things which we speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual, we we speak in tongues. And I've always preached that and taught that in Sunday school. That means you've just gone to Christian 2.0. Because there's a lot of good Christians who who are, are truly passionate and they've been saved, but they've never gone completely, completely to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And we have to tell them about that. We have to show them what that is. Second Corinthians, and since we have the, this one's not on on the list. Uh, 4, 13 through 15. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. Spoke what? We spoke in tongues. We prayed in tongues. It's very difficult sometimes to get people, especially if they start coming into prayer in the mornings. We pray for 45 minutes to an hour, and we're praying in tongues the whole time. When you first start doing that, you can go for five minutes and you're looking at your watch. <laughs> Man, I've been praying for 40 minutes now. Six minutes? Really? <laughs> and it's a practice, and it's a learned thing. It's not something that you can do right away. And and so it's fun to watch the, the, the people who come in and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this with you, and we start praying in tongues. And they're going, are we done yet? <laughs> No, we haven't started, man. <laughs> We're only into this for 10 minutes. But it only takes a few months, and they're praying in tongues for the whole time. And the more we do that together in a corporate setting, the stronger it gets. The more we see things happening. When we started praying for an increase in the flocks here a year ago, we started seeing an increase in the flocks. That's just the way it works. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And we know that. You ever tried to witness to someone who who is not spirit-filled? But who has known the mind of Christ, the Lord, that we may instruct him? This is verse 16. We have the mind of Christ. That's important. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Sometimes we read things like that and we think, well, that's pretty cool. We have the mind of Christ. But we don't stop and think what that really means. We actually have this man who walked on the earth, performed all the miracles, 
told us what was going to happen, went to the cross, resurrected, ascended, sent the Holy Spirit, we have the same mind cast. We have that thought process available to us. And that's why I started with the thoughts. Because that's what we have to, we have to tune our radio to that frequency. We have to hear the Spirit of the Lord. We have to hear Him. God did His thing. And he, and, he, and he had the Israelites, and he started the plan way back in the garden and with David, and we know the whole story. And then he said, okay, and he, and he predicted it all the way through the, through the Old Testament. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send the Savior. I'm going to send the Messiah. They knew the Messiah was coming. So then he sent Jesus, and Jesus did what he was supposed to do. And he, he'd give us a training manual for three years he walked on this earth, and we have four Gospels that are what I consider a training manual. If you've ever been in the military you at home, you know that they have training manuals for training manuals. It's weird, but that's just the way they work. And it's how you learn how to be like every other soldier. And that's what we have to be as Christians. We have to learn how to walk according to his word, according to what he said, and we have the mind of Christ, we can understand it. It's not a mystery anymore. It's not a mystery. So, I said all that to get to what I want to talk about tonight, revival. Where does revival start? It starts with us. One person, me. And it has to do with my thought process. How am I thinking? What are the words that I speak? Am I confessing what he said? And there's a song that, that Kim Clement has, on, and I love what he says on there. Tomorrow is inside of you because the kingdom is inside of you already. Tomorrow is inside of you. You can decide what's going to happen tomorrow with your life. God gave us the grace and the, and the power to do that. We don't have to sit back and say, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, guess what? You get up in the morning, you won't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Because <laughs> that's what you just spoke. What if you say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to plan my day. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to praise the Lord. Uh, whatever. Whatever that is, whatever you speak, the kingdom is inside of you for tomorrow. It's up to us. We have the mind of Christ. We can say what we want to say. We can walk how we want to walk. And as long as we've read the Word and we got the Holy Spirit, He's going to download into us, and we just have to listen and say, Okay, Lord, I'll do that. I'll do that. John fourteen twelve through 14. Jesus is talking. I love John. We teach that a lot at the jail. And it's so fun because there's so it's so rich, the gospel of John. And and the guys there just get so much out of it. But verse twelve <clears throat> Most assuredly I say to you, he believed he who believes in me, the works I do, he will also do, and greater works than he will do, because I go to the Father. That's what we have when we have the mind of Christ. And we read that very quickly. Oh, great, we're going to do greater things than greater things in raising people from the dead, greater things in healing people of leprosy, greater things than the man who's been paralyzed for 38 years, say, pick up your mat and walk. 
Isn't that what we're supposed to do? That's what it says. The works I do, he will do also. And greater works that he will do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Not for you. It's not for him. For the Father to be glorified in what the Son has accomplished. The disciples didn't know or understand what he's talking about all the way through John. They thought he was going to be the next King David, going to lead them into freedom from the Romans, from the Babylonians, whoever they had in mind. <coughs> Excuse me. And so they asked a lot of questions along the way. And, and part of it, what he had to keep repeating is what he was training them all along, all along, and saying, just listen to what I'm telling you. Just listen to what I'm telling you. John 14, 15 through 17 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, all of them loved him. They'd spent three years walking with him. They knew what to say and what to do at the right time. Peter even getting ready to just pull out his sword a little bit and cut off somebody's ear because they're going to violate his rabbi, right? If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father... And he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. This is New King James. Whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. They have no clue what he's talking about. Because they haven't seen the Holy Spirit yet. They haven't, it hasn't happened yet. But he's teaching them as it goes. We're very, very lucky. We got to read the back of the book. But you know what? There are people out there who don't understand this. Even Christians don't understand that the spirit of truth that the world can't receive, we receive. Because why? We have the mind of Christ. We were given the mind of Christ. John 14, 19 through 20. A little while, and this is the one that really blew him away. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. And they're saying, what are you talking about? What do you mean we're going to see, we're not going to see you and then we're going to see you? And then we'll live because you live? He's talking, of course, about the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the appearance, and then the ascension. All that ha- and all that was part of God's plan from, from the very beginning. And the, be- the best part of that verse, and on that day you will know that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. On that day when that resurrection becomes real to you, you will realize, you will know, it will be part of your being that I am in the Father and you are in me. And I and you, we're, we're all together one. Guess what? That is, that's a trinity. It's a new trinity. I never thought of it before, before that, like that before. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now it's Father, Son, and Michael West. <laughs> but you know what the Holy Spirit was sent to do? Jesus did what God did what he was supposed to do. Jesus did what he was supposed to do. And then the Holy Spirit was sent to do the rest of it. And what, the, what did the enemy do? They started telling churches, no, that's not real. This isn't what really is happening. 
here's where you have to do. You have to light a candle and pray, and the priest will forgive you. That was the early church. That was the early church, up until the point where we had a revolution, and the Protestant revolution happened. You're, Wait a minute, that's not what it says in the Word. I can, read, I can read the Greek, that's not what it says. And so that's where the Protestant Reformation came from. Because people, the Holy Spirit was saying, read this, it's not true. So in John 14, 25 through 27, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Everything we've been talking about that the disciples couldn't understand, they couldn't remember, that we've heard in church, guess what? The Holy Spirit will bring that word to you when you need it, when it's time for you to speak that word to somebody. That's what it means by having an infilling of the Holy Spirit. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrances all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. So then Christ goes to the cross. They're in the upper room depressed, angry, hurt disappointed and scared here's the guy that was going to be the new king david the new general going to lead israel into the new and 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 he's in the tomb can you imagine if you were following the, the rabbi and you'd seen all the miracles you saw lazarus raised from the dead you saw the blind man get up and, and see and jump and, and be happy you saw the man who was lame get up and walk you were convinced this is the Messiah. And now he's dead and he's in the tomb? Now remember, they don't have the Holy Spirit yet. They're scared. They got the door locked. And, and Mary comes to him and says, hey, he's not there. They moved his body. Come see. And so Peter actually runs ahead of everybody. And, of course, he's gone. And so he, he comes into the room. And 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 I've and I've used this before at the at the at the men's group. When he walked in, remember he walks into depression, anger, fear, and he walks in and he just says, "Peace." He commanded the room to change, and he did that with his spoken word, "Peace." When I read that for the first time and I realized that he was doing the command that way, oh, I said, my goodness. You know what he did his whole life? His whole time on earth, he said, you know, what we, we, we think of Hollywood and the long hair and the hoodie, and he's very meek and mild. No, not, that's not a guy who grabs a whip and chases people out of the market. When he came to someone like the, the, the guy laying beside the well, he said, he didn't say, pick up your mat and walk. He said, pick up your mat and walk now. When he's at the cemetery, he says, Lazarus, come forth. He commanded things to happen. He commanded things to happen. 
when they were, they'd wake him up in the boat, and, and, and of course, he's sleeping. <laughs> How can you sleep when the, the boat's about to sink, right? There's so many waves and wind. And he stands up. He doesn't just go, oh, be still. He says, be still now. He's commanding with the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. We're allowed to do that. We can take authority. We can take dominion over where we're supposed to be. Get that into your spirit. That's revelation. That is revival. Let's walk according to that. Let's walk according to the authority that was given to us by by Jesus by the way he went to the cross and by his resurrection. And then Thomas says, well, I don't believe. Not until I see the wounds. Man, that, that's almost that's almost a heresy, isn't it? The other guys are saying, "Whoa, hey, he was here, man! I promise you." And he walks into the room. He says, "Thomas, come here. Stick your hand in this." Gave, he gave Thomas a second chance. We get second chances too, okay? So then he he gives him another command. He says, "Stay here, and I'm going to send this helper that I'm talking about, this this the Spirit of Truth." And it's going to happen in a few days. I want you all to play in, in together, in prayer together, in the upper room. So important it is for us to be in a room praying together. This is what Jesus had said. When we're together and we're praying together, and it's good that we're praying, you know, scattered through our homes. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But when we can gather together, like on the Zoom on Tuesday nights, very powerful, very powerful. We can see, we can, we can feel the Holy Spirit moving. It's amazing to 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 be there. So, the day of Pentecost comes, and Peter, backwards, fisherman, not educated, not he didn't study under Gamaliel, and he got in trouble a lot. <laughs> got rebuked a few times by Jesus. In fact, he denied him three times. Don't you know that would make you feel horrible? You denied Christ three times. Here's the rabbi. You denied him three times, and now he's standing in front of you saying, I'm going to bless you with everything. Well, he pours out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And, of course, they're, they're speaking in tongues. We talked about that. That's the, that's the evidence of what's happening with the Holy Spirit. And Peter gives the most amazing speech if you've ever read in, in, in Acts 2. And it has he's quoting Joel, and he's and he's and the people are saying, "What? Where did this guy come from?" And Jesus has already restored him three times for denying him three times. Remember that? He said, "Peter, do you love me?" Said, yeah, take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He said, "Lord, you know I do." Take care of my sheep. Third time, Peter, do you love me? And it hurt him. Yes, and he knew why. He said, yes, I do. I'm sorry what I said. He said, take care of my lambs. It's, no, it's not an accident that Peter was the one who stepped up on the day of Pentecost. Because he'd been given the boldness now to go through with what he did. He became the head of the church in Jerusalem. In Romans eight fourteen through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the sons of God. Can we say that again? Not just are we have the mind of Christ. Now we are 
if we're led by the Spirit of God, we are a son of God. For we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, fear that we see now happening. Let's get that thought in us for this pandemic. What a horrible word. <laughs> We've heard that so many times. And the fear. You turn, I, I used to like to sit and uh, get up at 4.30. I'm having a cup of coffee, and I like to watch the weather and just catch up a little bit on the news. The first thing, the first three things you need to know about coronavirus. Click. <laughs> I, I don't want to know. <laughs> and they make up stuff I don't want to see. You know, the, the rules and the regulations. I said, go away. So I'll get ready and come up here and we go, we go into prayer right away. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Okay, once again, sons of God, mind of Christ. Let's get that down in our spirit. We're walking. Who else was a son of God? Jesus. Who else had the Holy Spirit? Jesus. We're to be like Jesus. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The more we practice speaking in tongues, the more we share the Holy Spirit, the more we listen to the Holy Spirit, the more we act like the Son of God that we're supposed to be. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, excuse me, now now he's my stepbrother. (laughs) So see how many times it's put together for us to say, I am a born-again child of God. I have the Holy Spirit in me, and I can walk and talk according to the world just like Jesus did. But we haven't done that very much because that's what we're, we're, we're concerned about too many things. We need to focus back in on that. 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Boy, Paul tells us that over and over and over again. We don't have to be confused. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to have fear. And you know what? People who aren't filled with the Holy Spirit, they don't understand that when we tell them that. They say, I don't have any fear of coronavirus. I don't have any fear of when I had my heart problem a year ago, I just said, this isn't my portion. I'm out of here. Second, I just went home the next day. I was healed. But that's part of what we're supposed to do. We have the mind of Christ. It says it over and over and over. Second Corinthians 5.17. I love this one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Christian 2.0. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Ezekiel says, and I've preached it many times in the Sunday school and at the prison, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and for a long time, my whole Christian life, I didn't understand what that meant. When he says, I will put in you a new spirit, small s. We are actually born again. And so he he says to to Nicodemus, don't be amazed when I say you have to be born again. He says, how am I supposed to enter my mother's womb again? He's not talking. He's talking about spiritual birth. So we're given the new spirit, a new human spirit. And then he says, I'll sprinkle clean water, give you a new heart, and give you my Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. 
to, to Nicodemus, who I think finally got it eventually. But he was born again. When, when we get that new spirit in us, you remember when you first, in, in, for those of you who were raised in the church and you, you were sh- you know, saved at a, at, a, at a young age, I didn't have that luxury. Happened to me when I was 20 years old in an army barracks in Fort Stewart, Georgia. And it was a, a really strong Christian Green Beret guy. <laughs> he was not gentle. <laughs> he told me I was going to hell on a rocket sled. <laughs> and I believed him. And so I, be, I gave my life to Christ. <laughs> but, but that's when I, when, when I prayed that prayer and I stood up, something was different. Something was different. You know what? I had a new spirit in me. And I didn't know that for years and years and years that I was truly born again. Had a new spirit put in me. Wish I had learned that way back then. You know, been taught that. First Corinthians six, nineteen through twenty. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Verse twenty. For you were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. These are supposed to take care of our body physically, nutritionally, spiritually. This is the temple of God right here. I'm supposed to make this look like a temple of God, act like a temple of God, speak like a temple of God. We have to get that revival into us and make that happen. We start walking and talking like Jesus, guess what? Stuff happens like what happened with Jesus. Does that make sense? So when we start walking and talking and speaking just like Jesus spoke, we get to say, stand up and walk. Come forth. You are healed in the name of Jesus. And not because we're trying to show anybody anything, because that's what we have. In Ephesians four eleven through 13, and we've heard this many, many times. I'm going to get down to, to verse 13 with this. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why we're supposed to be pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles. It's not so you can say... Good morning, Sir Reverend. <laughs> Don't call me Bishop. Don't call me anything but Christ-like. I want to be Christ-like. I want to be the Son of God. That's what it says I am. That's what you are. 13, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Fullness of Christ. If we're not at the fullness of Christ, you've got some praying to do. You've got some studying to do. You've got some words to speak. We've got, and I'm there. I've got to do that. I want to be at the fullness of Christ when I'm talking to someone who's so lost. He's thinking about suicide. PTSD. I just, I just found out I have terminal cancer. I think I'm going to jump off the bridge. My wife just left me. My husband just left me. I just lost my child. 
What do you say to someone? I, I can't even imagine that pain. I can't even imagine that pain. It has to come, that comfort has to come from the Holy Spirit. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And listen to this, verse 7. And the peace of God, what did I just talk about a minute ago? When he declared peace, he declared stillness, he declared, that's a peace that he left with us through the Holy Spirit. That's when we say, okay, wait, I'm going to switch my thoughts. I'm going to be peaceful today. I'm going to not be worried. How many times have you worried about something for three or four hours, and at the end of the three or four hours, it's still the same? (laughs) That's just what we do. Well, we can switch that. Don't waste that time and switch it into thinking about Jesus. So it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And it says, Finally, brethren, and we know these things, whatever things are true, as opposed to what? A lie. So we know what's the truth. Whatever things are noble, that's above the norm. That's above just standard. Whenever things are just... We can think about that, What these things, whatever's pure. How much impurity do we have in this world this day? Oh, my goodness. TV, media, newspapers, magazines. The purity of thought should come to us. Whatever things are lovely. Now, I've not used that word very many times, but Kathy does. I don't say, oh, that's lovely. <laughs> but I understand what it means. And whatever things are of good report... If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's thought process. That's thinking. Turning your thinking so that you don't have to put up with all the nonsense that this world has to offer. And guess what happens when the thoughts, Galatians 5, 22 through 25, when you turn the thoughts and the rain has come down and you've got the growth, and now you have a flower, and now it's turned to fruit. And the fruits are what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Those are the fruits. That's what, that's what Isaiah 58 was talking about. The thoughts that come from God give us the fruits and the seeds for the sower. In my, and I've preached this before, too. The, the most important one of all of those fruits is the very last one, self-control. If you have self-control, you got the rest of them. Because self-control means I can control my thoughts. I can control how I'm going to study, how I'm going to read, how I'm going to pray, how I'm going to minister to other people. I'm going to watch them. All of a sudden, they're going to grow fruit. They're going to be ministered by the words that were spoken over them. That's what we're supposed to do daily with everybody we talk to. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 26, 26, 28. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I love that. 
Walk in the Spirit all day, not just for church service, not just during worship, not just during prayer time at 6, and, okay, you're not walking in the Spirit at 7.05 anymore, or 9 or 10.05, whatever one you want to do. For your hour of prayer, then it's over, and your day goes on, and you're going to do and say what you want to say. Think about your thoughts. Think about what revival means. That means to relive, to revive something that's it's died. You revive it. That's what revival is all about. It's already started in this church. And I declare it's going to get bigger and bigger. No matter what the enemy sends, it's going to get bigger and bigger. It's, we're praying for the 12 guys in Calvert. We're praying for the worship leader. It's going to grow, and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow. Because his, th- his thoughts, his words do not return to him void. They grow, and something grows. Thank you, Father, for this night. We thank you for your word, Father. Lord, as we go forward for this next few weeks, give us the, the thoughts and the grace and the mercy just to, just to laugh in your presence, Father God, to be bathed in your word, Father, to walk with the Holy Spirit, to take this time to learn, to see, to live, to relive and start that passion all over again that I had when I was 20 years old and I stood up and I had a new spirit in me, Father God. I bless everyone listening tonight that they have that rebirth, that re-understanding re of what the spirit is all about. In your name we pray. Amen.